Well, uh, thank you everybody that uh, made last week uh, Easter so great. Uh, it, it takes a lot of work to uh, do everything, to put on uh, the best that we got, uh, cleaning up the building, the outside, the inside, uh, all the folks that worked hard to welcome all our guests. And uh, thank you for many of you who've come back uh, uh, again this week. Uh, so I, I often am negligent to thank people for the uh, hard work that they put in from, you know, doing a dance or making a slide deck or uh, doing great coffee. I mean, there's just a lot that goes on uh, week in and week out, and I, I don't always, I should uh, give thanks much more uh, uh, regularly, but thank you for all of you that, uh, that did that. It's hard to think that last week was Easter and was so hot and we we're all running around outside and uh, this week uh, it's snowy, we can't even find our snow shovels. So those of you that uh, are brave and have come out today, uh, thank you. Uh, good to have you. And I do uh, want to talk about uh, this season that we're in because I'm really uh, excited about this season that we're heading in, that we're in between Easter and Pentecost. And uh, not many of you have Pentecost like on your calendar, but it's the Sunday after Mother's Day. So uh, this season, uh, I believe the Lord's got something really uh, special for us. And I'm just delighted uh, to have you join us uh, during this season. Now, uh, last week, I said that uh, I wanted to do, uh, do two things today. Uh, one was to talk about why uh, this is going to be a special communion. And so I want to spend a, a good amount of time today talking about Passover and the connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament and uh, talking about uh, how Jesus has given us a new covenant. Um, I also said I wanted to talk a little bit about our vision for the church, and indeed I do want to do that, but I'm going to do that this in like two parts. Uh, today I, I will focus on one facet of that, and then two weeks' time... Uh, a little bit uh, more, I'll unfold more of the, what, of the vision and uh, uh, there's some exciting stuff which I'm looking forward to uh, sharing with you. But I say all that to say this, uh, I really think it would be a great season for you to just commit to say, you know, between now and Pentecost at least, uh, there's something uh, that the Lord has for each of you which might be a, a little uh, surprising, a little different. But there is a sense at this time of the year particularly, where we should have an expectation that there's got to be more, and there must be more, and I'm looking forward to more, and God has more. Uh, you know, Easter is not the end. It's not like, okay, we do this big build-up for Easter, and then we finally we do Easter, and oh, okay, now we wait for Christmas. It, it, that, that is just like so not the case. The, the case, the whole biblical background, and, and I think even what God is doing in this season the, the case would be, okay, Easter's the start. Uh, Christ has risen. There's something really exciting about that and how that impacts us all uh, personally. But in this particular case, this season, I believe God is going to be shaking us up in this way. He's going to be asking us this question all the time. There must be more. What is it? What is it? What does it look like? What does more look like for you? What does more look like for me? What does more look like for this church? And then as we get to Pentecost, uh, it's like, okay, God, empower us. Empower us with the Holy Spirit so that we can do the things that you've asked us to do. That we can uh, walk into the things 
that you're calling us to be part of, the more. So uh, this season, I would love us to take uh, this time where we spend it in prayer. We're asking the Lord, how have you made us? What's happening around us? What are you doing in me? What are you doing around me? How can I be part of what it is that you're doing? Show me, reveal yourself to me so that I can experience the joy and the delight of being part of the more. And um, that's what I want to talk about uh, today uh, is this idea of expecting more, expecting more. And uh, the, the build-up that we have uh, to, to make that a reality. Now, last week, I would say Easter, without a shadow of a doubt, is the highlight for us as, a, as Christians. And uh, what I was uh, trying to do last uh, Sunday on Easter was to tell you the story. Tell you the Easter story. Tell you what happened uh, again and again. Because there's a sense that Christ has risen and therefore, it's going to change and impact our lives. And we looked at the impact Christ has already made over a time up until now. And that what the church is still doing and what Christ is still doing. And it's sort of expanding and getting larger. But before the, uh, the, the arrival of Christ, the Old Testament, there was another story which had to get told every year. And this story had the impact for the, <coughs> excuse me, for the Jewish people of saying there's got to be more. Uh, you know, God is going to do something, and, and I expect God to give me some encouragement that He's going to do something. So today I want to focus on that story, which is the story of Passover, uh, and the impact and the, the effect that Passover had on the Jewish people up until Jesus, and then the, the work that Christ did to sort of link Passover and the New Testament uh, going forward. So uh, there is a lot more, and God expects us to have more because of Easter, and God expects us to have more because of uh, Passover, and, and communion is uh, connected to Passover. That's why uh, today would be a special communion as we press in and see, okay, what's behind communion? What's, why is this both a mystical experience, and yet when we have communion, we should be saying there's got to be more? And if you look at different church expressions, the Catholic Church, where they make you know, communion really a high, uh, a high bar, and the Episcopal Church, and uh, then you look at church across different denominations, they're all saying, okay, communion is something special. But the fact that nobody does it the same means that there's something like mystical about it. Like, okay, so how do we understand and how do we treat communion? So we want to look at, uh, at that today as well. So let me just uh, let me just open uh, with this with this prayer. Uh, Jesus, I just pray that uh, you would open the eyes of each person here today. Uh, open the eyes, Lord, to who you are and what it is that you're doing in their lives, around them, and in the people around them. And Lord, I also pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would empower me to preach your word and that uh, people's hearts would indeed be warmed or there would be a resonation with, uh, I'm resonating with, with the Spirit of God. So, Lord, I, I ask that you would do that because only you can do that. So, uh, my opening uh, scripture that I want to share with you was exactly this. Okay, so Christ is risen, and I alluded to this a little bit last week. Uh, Christ is risen, and now He's revealing Himself to everybody, and He's... he's 
showing the reality of his resurrection to people. And the first, uh, well, one of the groups of people, the first day, the third day, uh, the third day being the first day after his uh, resurrection, he is uh, revealing himself uh, to, to groups of people. The one uh, group of people, two guys, they're walking the road to Emmaus, and they have this weird mystical experience with Christ. It's mystical because while they're walking with Christ and while they're talking to Christ, the resurrected Christ, they don't recognize it's Christ. But when they recognize it's Christ is at the end, after they've been walking with Him for hours, and they say, you know, I'm really enjoying the discussion. And they say, why don't you just join us? And Jesus said, no, I'm going to just carry on. They said, no, 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 come on, join us. And so He does. He joins them. And then when He breaks the bread, representing communion, then something mystical happens. All of a sudden, these guys recognize who He is. And they say, wait a bit. This is Jesus. This is the very guy we're talking about. And then to sort of amplify that, they said, were our hearts like burning? Like as we were talking, like wasn't there something that he was, we, we, were, we were resonating with what he was saying. There was something happening. And, uh, and then the real crazy mysterious part is just as they start like, Dialoguing with Jesus, Jesus disappears. It's like, come on, you know, like we're a whole walk, we're walking, you don't recognize Jesus, we're like a million questions, no Jesus, like it's just yapkity yakins. Like, so finally, we recognize this is Jesus, okay, let's have a discussion. Whoop, he's gone. But the point I'm trying to make is, is if you've got a bulletin insert, I want to make two points uh, r- right away, and I'll, I'll read this to you. In Luke 24, just summarizing what I'm saying. Uh, 2831. By the time they were entering Emmaus, at the end of their journey, Jesus acted as if he was going on. But they begged him, please stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. And then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scripture to us? So the first two, if you like filling in the blanks in the bulletin insert, ask Jesus to open your eyes to see what it is that he's doing. Okay, so this is a a question that I'm suggesting you ask between now and Pentecost. God, open my eyes. Help me. I'm praying. I'm actively asking you, God, show me what it is that uh, you are doing in my life and in those around me. And in a similar way, the second fill in the blank, ask Jesus to speak to your heart with what he is doing. So it's not just seeing, it's speaking to your heart. It's like, okay, I get it. I resonate with you, Lord. I want to be part of it. This is exciting. You know, what is it that you're doing and how can I join you? And so between now and Pentecost, we're asking this question. We're asking this question. We're asking this question. We're seeking. We're seeking. And then we're going to pray on Pentecost for the power of the Holy Spirit to pour down on us and empower us and impart to us what only God can do, uh, to give us the supernatural goods to do the things that He wants us to do. So, you know, we we look forward to that. And we, uh, in a sense, join the church uh, calendar historically of what Christ did between Easter, the third day, His resurrection, and Pentecost, you know, the first couple of chapters in Acts, 
which then launched the church, the church after that. So uh, we're going to do that. But I also want to stay in Luke, and I just want to read this uh, account of the Last Supper of Jesus. And as I said, you know, when you do Easter, you can't pack it all in there. So, you know, this is happening just before uh, Good Friday and uh, Easter Sunday. So in, in the account in Luke, it says this. Now the festival of unleavened bread arrived. Okay, just make a note of that. Unleavened bread, the festival of unleavened bread arrived. When the Passover lamb is sacrificed. And then we've got another really cool story. Okay, now think of this story as if you were part of this story. How, how much fun this would be. And how exciting this would be uh, if you were part of this story. Uh, Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and says, Go prepare the Passover meal so we can eat it together. Where would you want us to prepare it? They asked him. Okay, so this, is, this should be similar to your prayer language. Jesus, what are you doing in my life? And what are you doing around me? And what do you want me to do about it? And, you know, that's like an easy prayer. And then Jesus reveals something to you which is like, what? And Jesus says, as soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. And you're thinking, wow, really? Did I hear that right? I mean, can you give me more information? Like, what's he going to be wearing? And like, exactly where is he going to be standing? And, and how will he just like show up at the exact moment I show up? And, and how this is going to work out? But, you know, the disciples have been around Jesus long enough where they knew like, okay, I, I, I don't always get it. But if I just obey him, it normally works out pretty well. So... They're like, I don't know where this dude is. I don't know who this dude is, but like, oh, let's just walk. And they get into Jerusalem. And as soon as they get into Jerusalem, hey, there's a guy. He's carrying a, a pitcher of water. It must be him. Hey, and they walk up to him. And they say, uh, and then Jesus says to them, follow him. As he at the house he enters, say to the owner, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That is where you should pre prepare the Passover meal. I mean, imagine if you're the disciples. This is like so cool. I mean, I just meet this guy. I mean, just like Jesus said. And then I go to the house. And I was like, can we, you know, use your house for Passover? And the guy says, sure. And then it's like, where are we going to do it? He said, oh, it's all set up. Just to help the selves. Like, I mean, just like a, I mean, the disciples must have been thrilled. Come back to Jesus. It was just like you said. It was so exciting. I can't believe I'm your disciple. I'm part of you. I mean, that should be our ordinary everyday christian life we're like we we're asking god we're asking god and god reveals something it's like oh, this seems so weird i don't know how it's going to work out and yet we obey and we press in and then we see hey we're part of a bigger picture like jesus is up to something and anyway so they went off to the city and found everything just as jesus had said and they prepared the passover meal there okay so there we have the setting and it starts off with the the feast of the festival of unleavened bread and the passover lamb so, I want to tell you the story uh, of Passover and how that has flowed before Passover started, the, the build-up to Passover, the story of Passover, how Passover was then uh, carried out when they were in the wilderness, how Passover was carried out when in the temple, how Passover was carried out after the temple when people were in exile, and how Passover was carried out when they were back in the second temple when Jesus was around, and indeed how Passover is carried out now. I mean, all of that. 
I don't know if I can do all of that quickly, but that's all that I want to try and do. Okay, it's like, uh, it's a lot. Uh, because all of this has an underlying thread of there's got to be more. It's got to be more. So it starts off with the, the setup for exit for the story of Passover is Jesus, or well God, uh, speaking to Abraham and saying, Hey, Abraham, you like a nobody, but I'm, I'm going to make a covenant with you. I'm going to make a promise to you. And this is the promise. Are you going to be like really blessed? Are you going to be like a great nation? And uh, not only that, I'm going to put you into another land, and that's going to be a blessed land. And then time moves on, and uh, this just doesn't seem to be happening. In fact, all the Jewish people are now in slavery, and they've been in slavery like 400 years. I mean, it's just going on and on and on. And it's like, okay, God, I don't know what happened to Abraham and all those promises. It just like, seems like our misery is never going to end. And then you have the Exodus, you have Passover, and you've got uh, the story of Passover. Now, uh, I'll try and briefly, if I can, uh, tell you the story of Passover uh, as it's told in Exodus 12. And uh, we have God saying to, uh, uh, to the, the Jewish people, say, hey, listen, I'm going to get you out of this land of slavery, and this is the way it's going to work. It's the 10th plague. Pharaoh's finally going to let you go, and uh, you'll be on your way. And every time they go to Pharaoh and they say, hey, Pharaoh, you know, uh, Moses says, let my people go. Uh, they need to go and prepare a, f uh, a festival. They need to go celebrate a festival. There's a sense that that festival that they were asking, uh, Moses was asking Pharaoh to let the people go to, was this festival of unleavened bread. There was a sense that uh, two things were happening that we now call Passover. It's Two feasts. It's the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the Feast of Passover, and they become one. Uh, but they have some roots in this uh, agricultural feast, so to speak, uh, right in the early, sta early stages. But then uh, there's a lot of details, and all the details, you, you really need to read chapter 12 again after I've preached this, because there's significance to all the details. And when I just sort of tell you all the details, it's like, okay, it's too many. But such as this, on the 10th day of the month, you go select a lamb, and it needs to be a perfect lamb. It needs to be a lamb without any blemish. It needs to be like, it's, you know, a young lamb, one year old. And then on the 14th day, you slaughter the lamb. Make sure you don't break any of the legs, don't break any of the bones. Okay, and then take the blood of this lamb that you've slaughtered, and take a, a hyssop branch and put it on your doorpost. And then what's going to happen is I'm going to send an angel of death it's going to pass through the land, and it's going to kill all the firstborn. But if you've got blood on your post, on the doorposts, uh, I'm going to pass right over you. And uh, indeed, that was what was the final straw that broke Pharaoh's back, where he said, okay, let the, uh, Egypt let the Egyptians bless the Israelites and uh, send them on their way. And, uh, you know, the, if you read the details, it's, it's like a twilight and, and the and the. And the bread must be ma made without yeast. And uh, God says, uh, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And then you, this, this feast must last for seven days. This is not Passover. This would be the Feast of Unleavened bre uh, Bread. And uh, then it says this. Uh, remember these instructions are a permanent law that you and your descendants must observe forever. When you enter the, when you enter the land, the Lord promised to give you, you will continue to observe this ceremony. Now, verse 26. 
your children will ask, what does this ceremony mean? And you will reply, it's the Passover sacrifice to the Lord. For he passed over the houses and, you, you know, tell a story. And so uh, that's how the Passover started. And this became a story that would always be told every year. It became a, a ritual story. And the whole idea was to say, we can still have faith in God. Uh, that we can still expect God to be moving in our lives. We can still expect something more. We need to do the story every year. We need to retell the story every year because God is the God that keeps His promises. He promised Abraham and He's getting us out of uh, Egypt and we're now in the wilderness and He's going to get us to the promised land. And as they keep telling the story, they finally get to uh, the promised land and they say, okay, we need to keep telling this story because it's not over. God is still up to something. And so the, uh, in the wilderness experience, uh, this story is told, you know, as a private sort of ceremony. And then Solomon builds this fantastic temple. And then at the temple, this becomes, uh, the, the ceremony changes from being a private uh, ceremony at the homes into the, the temple. And then it becomes like a big corporate, okay, we're all going to the temple, we're all going to go worship the temple, we're all going to experience Passover together, and we'll tell the story corporately. And so, uh, and so they do that. And then um, Jews go into exile and Passover still, as a tradition, carries on. People have hope because they tell the story that God is going to come through until they rebuild the temple. And then when they rebuild the temple, uh, there's you know, revival again and the emphasis goes back onto Passover being the most significant festival in the Jewish calendar. It always has been and still is. And so this festival becomes back at the temple and it becomes a pilgrimage that uh, people make. And so by the time Jesus arrives on the scene, uh, the Passover is now this huge event. I mean, there are, uh, you know, it's like sort of mandatory that if you're Jewish, you go to the temple and you worship corporately and you be part of this whole uh, ceremony. So people come from all over, come into Jerusalem, buy their uh, sacrificial lamb and partake in this sacrifice. And this ceremony started early. I mean, like the priests had to be there early uh, in the morning to first burn the, un, you know, the, the Jews that go through their houses and see what bread is there that is leavened, that has yeast in it. Bring it, and the priests would burn all that, and then they'd take a break from 12 o'clock until 3 o'clock, and then at 3 o'clock, They'd have a whole lot of uh, priests start with the, uh, with the sacrificial system. And it's sort of like the Boston Marathon. I mean, they like have these corrals. There were three big corrals. Uh, three groups would go through. So normally you'd have a whole regiment of priests that do regular sacrifices. But on, on, on uh, Passover, there were 24 regiments. I mean, it's like 24 times up. And there were so many people that they had three huge corrals. Okay, you're in corral number one. Do your sacrifice. Let's get it done. Next one. Next one. Okay, I mean, the priests are just like doing the whole sacrificial uh, thing. So it was like a, a, like a, a big, a big, big deal. Uh, and, uh, and everybody was uh, partaking in that and getting into the, the whole the Passover uh, scene. And so you wouldn't miss it, and part of that was retelling the story. Part of it was imparting for people in that particular day what hope looked like. And, of course, uh, Jesus is saying, 
wait a bit, I'm going to do something. I'm going to take this great Passover story and I am going to make it my own. I am going to take the Old Testament and make a New Testament. I'm going to be the sacrificial lamb uh, in person and I'm going to be uh, living this out. So uh, the richness of the story comes in the details, which is why reading Exodus again uh, is, is very helpful. And so part of the the story is the Old Testament uh, understanding that there's this setup, if you would, of storytelling. And there was this idea that the, 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 the dad of the family, no substitute, had to be the father, was going to answer the child's question. And so you have this formalized question and answering uh, ritual. And that became a thing called the Haggadah. And the Haggadah was this ritual where the child would say, what's so special about this night? And then the father would explain the whole uh, Passover. And so now as Jesus is sitting with his disciples, part of the ritual was there were four cups of wine. And so we read, in, as we, we will, uh, as Jesus is taking uh, the Last Supper with his disciples, he takes the third a uh, glass of wine, but he doesn't take the fourth one because the third glass of wine had particular meaning. It was saying, I will redeem you. And this is Exodus 6 6. It was a cup of redemption. And so Jesus finishes the meal, he takes the cup of redemption, and he says, I will redeem you. And then he leaves the fourth cup. The fourth cup, which you would normally do if you're doing the Seder, if you a Jewish person today, and you, and you par participate in, in Seder. Seder means order, so the order of uh, doing Passover. Uh, the fourth cup is the, the cup of consummation. And uh, Jesus saying, uh, fulfilling Exodus 6, 7, he says, we will take this people to be with them. That's Exodus 6, 7. God will take his people to be with them. God will take his people to be with them. And then Jesus says, we will not have this. The next time we do this meal, we'll be in heaven. I will take you, my people, and we will do this meal again in heaven. That'll be the next, you know, uh, drinking of communion, of wine. So uh, this uh, Passover history uh, is really just, um, you know, a, a really rich uh, heritage. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, today... Uh, in, in uh, Israel, there's a certain group of people, the Samaritans. And uh, we remember a very uh, well-known story where Jesus encountered the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. And uh, in that story, uh, while they're having this dialogue, the, the lady says to Jesus, what's the big deal about Jerusalem? Why do we have to go to that hill? You know, why do we have to go to the, the temple? Why can't we worship Right here, Mount Gerasim. Well, today, the Jewish people, well, not the Jewish people, but that sep section in Jerusalem, in um, Israel, uh, it's a town called Nebulus, Nebulus. They still do the sacrificial system. It's the only place in Egypt where they still sacrifice the lamb, right on Mount Gerasim. They sacrifice the lamb. I mean, you're like, those people are like a little slow. When Jesus got there, he said, well, let me tell you who I am. You know, like, oh, I'll pick it up. I'm the Messiah. The whole village, you know, many of them came to know. And yeah, we are 
you know, many years later, it's like very encouraging for me to preach. You know, when I preach and people are like, they just didn't get it. I think, well, what about these guys? They're Samaritans. I mean, Jesus preached to them and, and they didn't get it. They're still sacrificing the lamb, you know, like last week on, on Mount Gerasim. Like Jesus told them, hey, I'm it, you know, and it's like they're still going. Well, anyway, it's kind of interesting. But if you're Jewish, uh, you know, you also miss the point if you're not a mess- Messianic Jew. I mean, Jewish people are still doing the Seder and they're taking... Uh, Exodus chapter 12, and they've added a whole bunch of stuff uh, to it. They've kind of filled it out and made it in their own uh, tradition, uh, the Passover meal, the Seder meal. So this idea of, okay, God, what do we do that gives us hope? What do we do that uh, fills us uh, with expectation that you are large and in charge, that you involved in our lives, that, you, that you're going to do something? You can take us out of the... Uh, you know, out of slavery, you can move mountains, you can heal diseases, you can overcome. What are you doing in my life? Can I expect more? And God is saying, you need to retell the story, the story of Easter, the story of Passover, because you should always be expecting God to be doing more. There's always more. We can always experience more of God, and we should desire it. Now, of course, Jesus... Uh, fulfilled so much of the Old Testament and says, this is all pointing to me. I am the sacrificial lamb. I am doing something new. Don't miss it. And, uh, you know, uh, throughout uh, the New Testament, we see people that totally got it, uh, starting with uh, John the Baptist. I mean, John the Baptist was really unbelievably prophetic. I mean, he got inside. He saw things that the, the disciples, like, didn't get. So John the Baptist, in you know early days, Jesus hasn't done a whole lot of preaching. He hasn't done anything uh, of significance yet. And yet John the Baptist in John 1.29 says, The next day John the Baptist saw Jesus coming towards him, and he says, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I mean, John was like, wait a bit. He's connecting Passover. He's connecting Jesus. He's saying, he's the lamb. He's the guy. And this is what he's going to do. He's going to take away the sin of the world. I mean, this is before Jesus has done anything. I mean, John the Baptist totally gets it. And then Peter, who's uh, slow to get it, you know, where he writes a book eventually, First Peter. And he says this, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. I mean, it's just such a great statement. Peter's saying, you know what? You don't have to believe in Jesus. If you want to just continue with an empty life, carry on. But Jesus saved you from an empty life. He's saying, anyway, let me read it. And it was not paid with mere gold and silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose Him as your ransom long before the world began. See, yeah, yes, Peter, the apostle, who finally gets it, and he's putting all the pieces together, and he says, Jesus is the sacrificial lamb. He's paid the price with his own perfect blood. This is far more you know, rich than money. Uh, he's done it for you. And then the apostle John he sees in Revelation, he's looking at Jesus, he's getting a vision of him, and he says, I saw the lamb, and, I looked as, and it looked as if he had been slaughtered but was now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. You know, so he sees it. So anyway, uh, all this to say this. 
when we uh, take communion, after we're going to do worship, I, I want you to spend this time during worship to say, God, there must be more. What is the more that you have for me? How can I hear you? What is it that you want for me? Lord, Lord, just help my ears get attuned. Help my eyes to see what it is that you want me to see and what you want me to hear. Uh, so that uh, when I take communion, I can understand the richness of this whole uh, history where God is saying, I want to infuse hope into you. There's more. I want to impart this. This is who I am. I'm the living God. I'm the resurrected Jesus. Uh, I've created a New Testament. I also... Uh, want to like highlight something here which uh which is the other point i've spent most of today talking about uh, communion and passover and the connection here but i also wanted to talk about a little bit about vision because they they're related when jesus is taking uh the last supper in the account in the book of john he says this he says so now i am giving you a new commandment He's talking to his disciples. I'm giving you guys a new commandment. I, I, I'm, I'm, we're doing the Passover. We're doing the Last Supper together. I'm about to be uh, executed. I'm about to be uh, killed. This is like final parting words. I want to give you some vision. I want you to give you a new commandment. And the new commandment is this. I want you to love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Now, I, I make a big build-up to say all that for this reason. Uh, we have, you know, leaders here. We have overseers. And I want to have them come up because I want you as a church to pray for them. Uh, so if you're an overseer, an elder in this church, uh, come on up quickly. Uh, I'd love to pray for you. And uh, here's the reason. We're asking God to give us uh, the vision that He's given us and to be able to uh, execute the vision that God is giving us. So we're asking God to give wisdom uh, you know, to our uh, overseers, and Dash is a doctor. She's on uh, working today, unfortunately. Uh, so, uh, you know, just a quick prayer. Uh, why don't you extend a hand with me? Lord, I just pray that you'd give these uh, guys, and Dasha being uh, absent, just give him wisdom, Lord, to like, just like, let, that we get your vision. We'd see what it is that you're doing. We'd hear from you clearly. Our hearts would burn, and we'd say, yes, uh, we want to do that, and we'll move whatever... Uh, mountains we need to move to make that a reality so in your name jesus amen so bless you thank you very short and sweet <laughs> now uh, that's all to say uh, when jesus says love one another the primary way that we do it as a vision as a function to like make that a reality is we do uh, life groups we do small groups uh, i use the word life group for what i'd call the vanilla type of a small group meaning we get together we share uh, dinner uh, we do communion uh, we talk about our lives we talk about uh, either a bible study or we talk about the sermon and uh, we pray for each other and we we get together and do that and I, that's what we call a life group but then other people have other small groups they like to be it might be a prayer group might be a bible study where there's a different emphasis and we get together as small groups so to fulfill the vision where Jesus says, uh, love each other, we do that primarily in small groups. It's very hard to love each other on a Sunday morning. You come in, you leave. It's like, okay, say hi, bye. The forum is small groups. So I wanted our small group leaders to come on up, and I want uh, you to see who they are because we want to do small groups. So come on up, and Bernadette's going to uh, tell us what each of these groups do because they all do different things. 
uh, and I, the whole idea here is for you to decide what group can you be part of. Maybe you're already in a group, maybe you haven't yet joined a group, but uh, i just like to encourage you to be part of a group. Now, I say all that for this reason. It's the two best times of the, ye the year to do groups is in the fall and in the winter. This time, it's a little tricky because a lot of you go away places. You've got graduations, you know, the, believe it or not, the snow's going to disappear and you'll be down at the Cape as soon as it's like 50 degrees like last week. And so, you know, it's hard to be regular at this time. You're all coming and going. So I am saying this. If you can be at a group twice a month, you're pretty much regular. You know, so think about it. If you can be more or less regular, if you can be there, if yeah, I don't want to encourage, I want to encourage you to be there twice and not zero, <laughs> and be twice and not like once. But if you can be there four times, like weekly, if it's a weekly group, be there four times. Yeah, exactly. So uh, here we go. Who we got? You? You want to just uh, read them off uh, as we go along here? What group Jeff's doing? Okay, and Jeff, just kind of raise your hand or something. Okay, so. Jeff, Jeff has a lot of groups. <laughs> he has youth group on Sunday nights, um, also a men's morning huddle on Thursday mornings early before work for you guys who want to get out and start in prayer and fellowship at 6.30 in the morning, and also a dig deeper book study, which is actually at Mary Ellen's house, and she's right here. So, all right. And then uh, Sarah Billings. All right, she has a group for Portuguese-speaking women, and you do not need to be Portuguese. You just need to, like, just practice your Portuguese or speak Portuguese, either one. So connect with Sarah after if you want more info about that, and uh, the group leaders will be in the foyer after if you want to talk to them more about it. So um, Max and Joyce Lombardo have a group in Northbridge that's been ongoing, and uh, they're looking for people who want to join up for that. It's a home fellowship, a great place to get to know people. And then Mary Ellen, as we mentioned her already, but she also have a, has a women's book group that is once a month on a Friday night. It's fun time uh, to get together, pick a book. Um, some of them are secular readings, but discussing it uh, with spirituality in mind. So talk to her after if you want more info on that. Arelli, okay, also doing the Dig Deeper Bible Study at Mary Ellen's, and for everyone who wants to run, 5K Challenge coming up again Tuesday mornings and Tuesday evenings and Thursday mornings if you want to come in for exercise, for all of you who want to do that, and also discussion, prayer, and all that good stuff. And then you can finish it up by running. All right, and then uh, Kevin? Uh, has a group in Milford. The focus has been outreach and reaching out into the community. So if you want to not just meet, but also then go follow it up by doing stuff out and sharing God's love in practical ways, talk to Kevin. And then, Rob, you have a group to be announced, right, let me location to be determined. <laughs> okay, so I just, uh, Adam is going to, Adam's not here today, but Adam's taking over the group that I was doing at the Snows, so regular life group at the Snows. If you'd like uh, to join that group, speak to somebody from the group, Janine or uh, Steve. Why don't you stand up? Steve's hosted Steve's house. You get a great view of the lake. 
Again, you don't have to listen to, when I was leading, you don't have to listen to me. Just look out at the lake and just, I feel so relaxed. It's so awesome. Uh, so that's their group. And I'm going to be uh, trying to start a new group, and that's for families of toddlers. So if you've got a toddler, uh, speak to Liz or I afterwards. We're trying to uh, nail down that group. But if you've got toddlers and you'd like to be part of a group, we'd love to start a group for those of you with toddlers. But why don't you extend a hand here. Oh, no, Bernadette, you want to share your group? <coughs> oh, okay. <laughs> What's that? Oh, oh, sorry. I missed one. They're, they're okay. making up groups. They understand you. Aureli has another group with Melissa Leffingwell, and that is a parenting group once a month meeting at Panera. Um, and is that for men and women? Men and women. Whoever wants to come and read a book about parenting once a month on a Saturday morning and talk to Aureli or Melissa afterwards. And, right, she does. Rosemary's not here, though. Oh, There she is, coming up. Come up here, Rosemary. Come up and get some prayer. Anybody else, too, if you t if you missed out on this. So Rosemary has, it's a drop-in group. No, no commitment. <laughs> Rosemary just said her group is Dropbox. You just Dropbox. like plug in. I don't know how that works, but they will computer go. No, did you say Dropbox or drop in? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Okay, so just two things. Um, Midweek meditations. Uh, we meet here Wednesdays at noontime. This is also a Dropbox kind of group. Come anytime. <laughs> no, drop in. <laughs> drop in. <laughs> just kidding. Um, but we. Thursday nights, okay, at Max's house, okay. Okay. We just awesome. basically make this stuff up as we go. So please we read this longer. because it's probably double what we've said here. Okay, um, you all got this this insert right, so check that out. Um, midweek meditations, we read scripture, we meditate on those scriptures, um, and do some ancient practices like lectio divina, and. Um, examine. If you don't know what those are, we'll talk you all through it when you come, but you're invited. And then also on Tuesday nights, we have a Dominican Republic missions prayer group. If you've ever been on missions and you want to join us to pray for what's happening year-round in the Dominican Republic, or you just want to come pray with us, you're welcome. Or practice your Spanish like or we do. Practice your Spanish. Okay, so but I you don't want to I want to pray for these guys okay. before they go. Jesus, I just lift up all these leaders. We just pray as you uh, do your thing in this church that your vision of loving one another would happen as we gather together in small groups in whatever shape or whatever uh, format Lord the common element would be that we love each other and these are focused on you Jesus in your name Jesus I pray amen amen why don't we have the worship team uh, come on up and I want to pray for uh, one different set of individuals this may be you uh, and if it is you I want you to, uh, I'm going to ask you to stand right where you are in your seats. And I just want to pray for you quickly while I've prayed for all the leaders. I might as well pray for individuals. But if this applies to you, you're saying, God, I know that I really want more. And, and, and I know that I'm seeking you. Uh, and I want to know what it is that you want for me. I open my eyes. Open my heart. Uh, if you know that that's you, just stand. I just want to pray for you quickly because I want this season to be impactful for you. And there's a, you know, there's a spiritual dynamic to this thing uh, when we do this. So, Jesus, I just thank you for the individuals that are standing. Lord, that you would pour out your heart 
to them. Lord, if you'd make it really clear. Give them wisdom, Lord, of what it is that uh, you're doing in their lives, in their corporate lives, in their work lives, in their home lives, in their family lives. Lord, in the people around them. Lord, uh, everything they do, Lord, I just pray that as they've asked for more, there's got to be more. Lord, show me the next step. Show me. Lord, I just pray that you would indeed do that for your people. And Lord, and I pray as we process this between now and Pentecost, Lord, that uh, you would make it clear to us. And then on Pentecost Sunday, Lord, you would empower us uh, to do it. So Lord, I just bless your people in your name.